Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Well, good morning, Fred. Here we are at Ontic's booth, uh, booth number 3355, GSX 2022. Who knew? It's amazing to be here. I've watched GSX grow over the years, uh, Chuck. Oh my gosh! And I'm just think like a scant three years ago, you know, everything was dried up, and now here we are. I feel like we should be on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, Fred. <laughs> Certainly looks like that. I, I'll tell you a little bit, Chuck. Uh, the last time I was in Atlanta was when I was running protective intelligence operations at the Olympics in '96, and and the last time I was at Centennial Park was when the bomb went off that night. So were you here? As a result of the bomb, or are you here as part of the protection package for the Olympics? Oh my gosh, uh, I was running protective intelligence operations for the Olympics. A lot of folks don't know that the State Department Diplomatic Security Service actually protects all the Olympic athletes. So I'm also looking forward to running into a lot of our former agents that might have been here during that window of time while we're here. Yeah, it's if you think about what has changed, I mean, I think you and I have talked before over a cup of coffee and you're the one that told me that, you know, it's not necessarily a more dangerous time that we live in, but the rate at which we're being made aware of risk and threat is certainly, I think your word was unprecedented. Yeah, I think we are living in many ways an unprecedented time frame, And I think a lot of it has to do just with the overload of constant information, constant negative news. And look, you can't turn on a Twitter feed or a social media feed of any kind without seeing some new calamity that's uh, happened in the world and and trying to mitigate the risk for those of us in the industry is kind of overwhelming. Yeah, you think about it from a from a threat protector, threat intelligence, threat whatever, insert whatever cool name you want here, but the idea of like threat fatigue. I'm hearing this yeah. leaking into conversations with folks more and the idea of like, look, every day I turn up the queen has passed away, unfortunately. We've had assassination attempts for the Argentinian yeah. vice president, the former president. Uh, we've had full-on assassinations with, with Abe. We, we've we got active shooter events. We have active knifing events, if we could say that. I mean, it, it, and again, it's like you've said before. I mean, there are certainly times in our lives when things might have been more dangerous, but the awareness of threat and the ability to take all those threat dots. And play. I mean, it's just this, again, I, I think about this idea of like threat fatigue. Yeah, I think when you look at this time period, uh, just as a student of history, and I know you are too, Chuck, is uh, I go back to, you know, the 1968 to 1972 timeframe. And I think it's important to, to put things in perspective. I mean, for sure, we certainly had a lot more domestic terrorism in those days with bombings, the Weather Underground, the Black Panther Party, and so forth. And we had corporation headquarters bombed. We had educational facilities bombed. We had horrific events such as the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., Mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, Robert F. Kennedy by Sirhan Sirhan. So uh, I think that perspective is important. 
But to your point, when it comes to protectors in our business, managing the global threat landscape today, I think, is the real challenge. And I think a lot of companies struggle with that, whether yeah. looking at it from a tactical perspective to a strategic perspective. And how do we bridge the two, Chuck? Well, I think you bring up a good point, Fred. And uh, I think you're right. There's so many threats and so many people managing these threats. And now if you put yourself on top of that chain, and I'm the, I'm the decision maker, how can I make a, a, a good decision, if you will, if I'm receiving all these various inputs from various teams? So it becomes a challenge. Uh, I think, you know, we, we have this, you know, you have the term soft skills, but thinking about soft skills from like the risk threat intelligence analyst point of view, it's like, how do I communicate these threats in a way, in a manner in which business decision makers are able to say, okay, good, I can take Fred's information, I can take Chuck's information, I understand what's important to this organization, I'm going to make a decision based on that. Instead, they have to they have to have their own ability to sift through all this information and say, what's important here? You raise a very good point. I was actually talking to, on the flight down uh, yesterday uh, at the airport, I was talking to Tom Morris, who's on our advisory board. And Tom uh, is uh, used to be the chief legal counsel at Walmart. He's got a very, very promising uh, legal practice now. And um, he was talking about the importance of soft skills as something that he had to learn and really put his ability to manage, uh, you know, a, a huge legal department from a company the size of like Walmart. And that's really the kind of thing that I think is tough for folks in our business to learn. I think those of us that might have come up through the executive protection ranks learn how to manage that a little bit better at times. I think you're kind of dropped. Those that came up through EP are probably dropped in the deep end of the pool. And if <laughs> For you sure. Yeah, if you can't figure out how to uh, air quotes make nice and air quotes and get your point across, you're quickly probably relegated to luggage, number four person <laughs> of the detail, or you're given the opportunity to expand your career elsewhere. And as we both know, the first thing to get you fired is to lose that piece of luggage. Oh my gosh, yeah. How many pieces did we have? 60. There's only 58. Uh, yeah. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in the course of your protection career when it comes to managing protection teams? You know, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. I think I go with an old military adage. Um, Not a Marine, should, right? Uh, no, but I, I have fondness for Marines. Um, <laughs> Mission first, people always. And I think it's important to put the objective first. What are we doing? But then understand that while we have machine learning, which is a subset of AI and everything else, and all these you know digital transformation that's helping organizations, at the end of the day, it's we're in a people-driven industry. And understanding that those people aren't robots, those people have you know abilities, they have blind spots, they have all these things. And that all has to be factored into the objective, which is you know, the protection of people and assets. And I think over time, you know, I, I used to look at protection work, Fred, and I, th I think you'll love this analogy of like the old Mission Impossible TV shows. Not the love movies. Love that show. Yeah. God bless you. The original Tom TV Cruise, series. The, yeah. the TV show where Peter Graves would sit and he'd have an objective. And the very first part of the show was always him choosing the right person that had the right skill set for the job. And I always remember that coming up into the industry and whenever I would get a new detail, whether it was when I was with corporate America or I had my own, I was always like, who's, what skill set is best suited to solve this problem and who has it? 
What, what about you, Fred? I mean, you kind of came up through, you know, the government side and then jumped over to the corporate side doing protective intelligence and security operations. I mean, what would be your like number top two lessons learned that you've, you've gathered? That's a good question. I, I think when I look at this from my perspective is the evolution of technology. Yeah. Meaning when I first started in the government as a special agent, we had three by five index cards and typewriters. And I remember when we got the first computer in our unit. And uh, of course, everybody's kind of looking at it like, uh, well, what do we do with this thing, right? Because yeah. we used to have to type our own reports and actually have to type our own cables that we would send overseas. So if you look at that evolution of technology and you look at a company like Antic, where we're both at today, for me, it's just been simply amazing to look at this transformation of technology. And I know for the center of protective intelligence, with which you and I are very much a part of, to me, that's the exciting part of what we're doing here and the ability to, to think and talk and and uh, engage with some of, some of our GSX friends are going to stop in to chat with us over the next two days is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. And I always find it interesting to ask guests, what do they see that we're not looking at? Absolutely. Because you always learn something. Well, you know, I, I, it's important to see the blind spots, as my wife would say. What are the blind spots, you know, as she's also in the corporate security world, like what are the blind spots? Because we're all affected by our own biases. I mean, and I think at last count, there was over 180. And I think it's important to get around those because you're right, this is how, this is how we find, you know, like what a, the elephant in the room or the black swan or the gray rhino. I mean, there's often, we see this repeated again and again, intelligence failures or failures in the risk, uh, risk operations realm because we just failed to see what was right in front of us because we didn't want to see it. So I think it's great in over the next few days when we have folks coming in to get their perspective and understand what do you think is important? Because based on their point of view, where they are, who they work for, what they do, I mean, I think we're going to come out and get some really good insights from folks. Yeah, I do too. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, our upcoming guests and over the next couple of days, it should be uh, exciting. And just to be back here live in Atlanta for ASUS GSX 2022, you know, literally a cornucopia of whatever you want. You know, you, you want to you want to talk about a lock, you can find a lock. You want to talk about EP, you can find EP practitioners. Intelligence, you've got that. You need digital transformation, you can come right here to Ontix Booth. I mean, whatever problem you're trying to figure out or whatever you're trying to do to expand your network, you can do it right here. Yeah, you walk the halls here, there's a solution for any problem that you might have. Fred, quick uh, quick question as we kind of wrap up our, our you know, our kickoff show for, for the podcast. There's a lot of folks that are just getting back. You know, we've been locked down for COVID, you know, regardless of what your political views are, anyone listening. I mean, we've all been kind of locked down for three years and now we're kind of back out and you're back out in the big conferences. What advice do you have for new folks coming? How can I best maximize my time at GSX? I think you have to look at the schedule and look at all the seminars that are going on and kind of prioritize what piques your curiosity and interest in. Also look at those things that you would not necessarily have the opportunity to do just because of the daily grind or wherever you are uh, in your current remit. Because as we all know in the security space, uh, pretty much every day uh, it's very, very difficult to juggle the thousand different things that may come up. So GSX gives you that opportunity not only to network, but also to learn, uh, to pick the brain of your peers, uh, find a couple mentors, yeah, which I think is uh, important in our industry. 
there's not a, enough of that from my perspective that goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one thing I'd add to that is just get out, get outside of your tribe. If you're, right. here, if you're here with your posse, walk away, find some new folks, extend what, where am I weak in cyber? Go, you'll find somebody here. Right. I'm weak in, you know, physical asset, go find somebody, but get outside your comfort zone and, and find somebody. And let's not forget, there's a lot of good swag. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> the swag. Awesome. Well, we look forward to having folks by the booth. Fred and I both have a massive schedule of folks that are going to come in and tell us what they're seeing and what they're hearing. I know, Fred, you're a good student of history, and I'm learning from you every day. I'm also an armchair historian. I look forward to all the insights we're going to get from you. Great. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Nobles. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.